get into the Word for just a few moments. I thought the best Father's Day gift might be a short sermon. But I couldn't find one. <laughs> no, actually, I've been wrestling through about this. I'm really not the best holiday sermon preacher. Um, but I, as I was actually going to continue on in the Ephesians series, I uh, just, uh, the Lord just kept bringing me back to two verses. And I want to share those two verses, but I'm actually not going to share those two verses with you till the end, so that you'll stay. Uh, and, and, and so I finally gave in and said, okay, we'll do it. And so we're going to do it, and I trust that it's going to bring some life uh, to us and some benefit to us. I found a few things that... I, I love to laugh. I, I love to uh, uh, to just uh, be happy. How about you? Anybody? Come on. <laughs> I found this. It said, for Father's Day, I gave my father $100 and said, buy yourself something that will make your life easier. So he went out and bought a present from my mother. <laughs> Now, he's a smart guy. I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out that it was the refrigerator all along. <laughs> I hate to say I related to that, but my family last year bought me these shirts that are skinny shirts. And so I'm not sure what they were after, okay? It just feels a bit like a girdle, but I, I know that that's not their intention. They must have bought a size too small. Having children is like living in a frat house. <laughs> Nobody sleeps, everything is broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. <laughs> And this is really true, and this is a good one. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, today I do want to take a few moments, and I want to talk about um, just how important and how valuable fatherhood and fathers really are. And, and I might even combine it, and I will through this uh, few minutes that I speak this morning, uh, not only fatherhood, but also manhood. And I believe it's important in this day that we really realize that the father holds a very special place, not only in the family, but in the society, but it also, and I'm going to show you this at the end, it actually also holds a special place in God's plan to return to the earth. I mean, if that's how, that's how special and unique you are as a father. And I want us to realize that because I think we would potentially all agree that our culture 
Um, and I'm going to start here with the bad news and jump right into the good news, okay? Just give me about three minutes of bad news and then we'll move on. Uh, our culture, how many would uh, agree with this? Our culture and the forces of darkness have been on an all-out attack against fatherhood and manhood. I mean, we're experiencing this like never before. And, uh, and, and the reason, part of the reason is in Revelation 12, 12, it says this, it says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell uh, in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has but sh a short time. And we, we need to understand and realize what's happening. I've been saying it through the past year or so that Isaiah says that darkness is going to cover the earth and we're going to feel the oppression of it and the pressure of it. And, and, uh, and it says, and great darkness or deep darkness is going to actually cover people. And, and we're going to experience that. And we are seeing the fruit of that through the anxiety and uh, even heart failures. It says men's heart, hearts will fail because of the stress and pressure that's going to come upon the earth. But God has given you the ability as a believer to overcome that. And we have to always remember that. But we also have to acknowledge that it's there. And I believe that both of us, both men and women, we need to be aware of this so that we are not slipping into the mind and the conforming of the world in regards to fatherhood and manhood. And I'm saying this to men and women. Today is for Father's Day, but we all have to acknowledge this because it's so easy, and this is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, don't be conformed or squeezed into the mold of this world. And we've really experienced some of that over this past year and a half, haven't we? Yeah. Have you felt the squeezing starting to come? Yeah. You know, it's just starting to conform, and it's really attacking our children is who it's after. I've said it before, I'm just getting so frustrated with seeing parents walking their kids around my neighborhood, kids that are four and five and six years old, and the parents have no mask on, but their kids do. Now, whose idea was that to get masks on? It wasn't the parents, hopefully, but it's the influence that's coming to the kids, even though they're at less risk than the parent. A couple of times I felt like just stopping and jerking the mask off the kids and putting both of them on the parent. Gain favor with Mr. Fauci. <laughs> Did I say that? No. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just creating some fear in the heart of people and, and, and bringing deception and darkness over the earth. And, and we have to be aware of that so that we don't get squeezed into that mold. It's easier than we think if we're not aware and if we're not up on it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this special day that we celebrate fatherhood, manhood. And I pray today, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come upon each one of us and just stir us up, God, in a fresh way concerning this, that we would shake off anything that has gotten upon us, Father, uh, from the, the, the culture and the mind of this world that would be anti-Christ or anti-your word or anti-your creation over fathers and men. And God, we believe today will be a day that a refreshing will come to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We do have a crisis today in the arena of fathers. Uh, fathers have been attacked uh, from every side, from TV, sitcoms, media, 
women's movements, men's movements, court systems. It just seems like all of it has this strong focus that seems to be coming against men. And, and, and uh, we've, tol we've tolerated this for far too long. Uh, it's the most important institution and the most important role on the planet to be a father. And, and yet we're being attacked from every, every angle. <clears throat> statistics show us, and we'll look at some a little bit later on the positive side, statistics show us that the role of a father is of absolute necessity in the well-being of the family. It's absolute, absolutely necessary. Now, does God have grace for a single parent? Absolutely. And some of you may have grown up in that situation where you've experienced that grace. But without doubt, it takes a toll on us. And there's a whole missing side of knowing and relating to God in whom he calls us to know and relate to him as the Father. Because we've never seen it modeled. We've never experienced that. And so that's missing. So I have to somehow now try to discover it. Or maybe worse yet, I've, uh, I've seen the negative of that. And now I've got to hurdle that in my mind. And so that I can approach my father as we sang. I just thought that was such an appropriate song. I didn't know we were going to sing that today. But he's a good, good father. He's perfect. Perfect, perfect in all of his ways. Oh, my goodness, is he, is he ever. <laughs> uh, but what we are seeing is, and I would say from just my peewee experience, my limited knowledge is that fathers have been put down, demoralized, and emasculated for about 40 to 50 years now, where it's really come to the forefront and begin to happen. I've kind of, I was thinking back on it and kind of remembering when I first started seeing this happen, which I hadn't thought about until I started thinking about it, and I began to realize, wow, this has been a slow, progressive thing that's happening, but now it's no longer slow, and it's no longer progressive. It's fast, and it's aggressive. And, it's, and, and, and it's, it's a, it's, it has a specific target in mind. It's not accidental that this is all happening. And that's what I think we need to see, and I want you to see this morning. It's not an accident. Remember, the Bible says um, that Satan plots against the righteous. So he's plotting against you. That's all he has to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his whole uh, job description. And he's continuing to do that. And as, as, as fathers and as men, we need to acknowledge this so we can step up. Time Magazine wrote these things. And I found this very interesting coming from Time Magazine, a, a secular magazine. Um, and, and, and listen to it because it, it, should, it makes sense even though we don't see it at the time. Well into the 18th century, child-rearing manuals in America were generally addressed to fathers, not mothers. It's interesting. Did anybody else know that? I didn't know that. This is not Google now. This is Time Magazine, so this is credible, okay? But as industrialization began to separate home and work, fathers could not be in both places at once. Family life of the 19th century was defined by what the historians call the feminization of the domestic, domestic sphere of the marginalization of the father as a parent. 
By the 1830s, children, uh, children's, children rearing manuals increasingly addressed mothers, deployed the father's absence from the home. In the 1900s, one, wor one worried observer could describe the suburban husband and father as an almost entirely uh, Sunday institution. <clears throat> what alarms modern social science, the article continues on to say, is that the latter part of this century, the father has been sidelined in a new and more disturbing way. Today, he's often just plain absent. Rate, rising divorce rates out of wedlock births means more than 40% of all children, 40% of all children, 40%. Listen to that number. And I was a statistic in this thing. 40% of all children between 1970 and 1984, so that's been a while, are likely to spend much of their childhood living in a single-parent home. In 1990s, 25% were living with only their mother compared to 5% in 1960. The founder of the Institution for American Values in New York City said, the trend of father's fatherlessness is of most socially consequential, consequential family trend of our generation. This is a Time magazine. This isn't a Christian person trying to make up stats or something. This is the reality of where things have taken us as a culture, and because sometimes it happens over so many years, and it happens so slowly, and you know, have you ever just been frustrated, and something, some law gets passed, and you get really mad, and you get upset, and it doesn't seem like you can do anything about it, because they've already done it, and then you just forget about it. You feel, you, you feel that way. You feel like, well, there's just nothing we can do about it. Then you just forget about it, and now we just move on, and we keep going, and it, 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 we don't realize that they're just kind of stacking on top of each other. To, to bring us to a place of, uh, of, of just totally losing our fatherhood position and our manhood. Another article said this, it was titled, The, Emas the Emasculation of Men. In their zeal to promote opportunity for women, something we applaud, there are those who denigrate men and their contributions. They seem to think as life as a competition between male and female. That one must dominate the other, and now it's the woman's turn. This cultural emasculation <clears throat> targeting men is having a damaging effect. Think of your favorite movie shows, TV shows, the shows King of Queens, Two and a Half Men, How I Met Your Mother. They all portrayed men as lazy, unintelligent, and womanizers. This is a gross false stereotype creeping into our society and could have lasting effect for years to come. Now, I want you to think about this. You're a believer, so hopefully, hopefully you're not entertaining yourself with those things. But if you are, they're creeping into you because you're feel, filling your, con your, your, your computer, your subconscious with all of these thoughts and so forth. And when something happens in your life, there's a little small robot in your brain, and something happens, there's a little robot in your brain that races back to your file cabinets that you've filled up with information and grabs the answer to that problem. Why do you react sometimes? Because of that. 
And we don't realize that we have all this information in there. And, and, and that, uh, that this process happens. It's called your subconscious. And, and, and again, if we're not guarded against it, we're going to constantly battle with our soul because we've probably filled those file cabinets more with soulish things than spiritual things. And this is just the reality, isn't it? And, and so now, now, let's, now let's just imagine an unsaved person weekly, daily, uh, you know, for hours at a time entertaining themselves with that kind of information. How do you think they're going to react and respond in, let's just say, a marriage relationship or a parenting relationship? What about a kid that's watching a dorky dad on TV? What is that going to do to that kid's attitude and response to their father? Does this make sense? See, we we have to begin to realize that this is happening around us. And again, you know, uh, think what you may. The reality is, is that this is happening around us. A matter of fact, it's 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 having such an impact that 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 uh, at this point there is a culture within the church that's attempting to have the patriarchal fatherly references removed from the scriptures to make it gender neutral. So don't tell me that these things aren't impacting us. But they do. They infiltrate our minds and our heads. And before you know it, now we have it all of a sudden. And we're starting to think like that. And, 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 and it's important, I think, for us to really catch this. The father slash man's role, his place, his significance, his value may be undermined in the streets, but it is honored and revered in Scripture. With the turn of every book of the Bible, the presence of a father can be felt and understood. And again, one of the most uh, used titles for God is father. Now think about Think about maybe a large, large, large organization that has shifted to mother. This is, that's enough said. See, God wants to capture our hearts today as fathers so that we can step into a new and a deeper relationship with him that we will have to put off the thoughts, the ways of the world and put on the word of God so that we can enter into that. Because if I keep thinking like the world about fatherhood and manhood by what I've seen on TV and what I've watched and so forth, then my relationship with him, according to John the Beloved, my relationship with him is going to have a struggle. He says, how can you love me? How can you love me if you can't even love the person that you see? And so he's trying to open up uh, some understanding and some some revelation here. Uh, And and I just want to say this. We're in a battle right now. And and, and some of us in this room have learned how to be a, a man and a father through John Wayne. And scarier yet, some of us have learned how to be a father and a man through Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) That's a problem. 
Both of them are a problem. And, and, and again, isn't all this stuff that we just, like I say, we, 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 we don't understand how it feels our mind. It fills our mind. And, and, and God's saying, no, I, I want to change things. We're in a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. God is calling in these last days for the fathers, for men to step forward, take on the mantle of Elijah, and lead this fatherless generation into a battle for the promised coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's calling us to have an Elijah mantle. Remember what Elijah did. He got the mantle, and what did he do? He passed it on to the next generation, and he passed it on with a double anointing. And, and, and it, enabled, it enabled that generation to do twice the miracles that Elijah did. Now think about all the miracles that Elijah did. It was amazing. But his anointing came upon an increase by going down to the next generation. We need to get better at passing the anointing on of fatherhood and manhood to the next generation. Because they need it. They're going to they're gonna need it. Here's just a few fast statistics, and then I'm going to jump into the other side of the message this morning. Just, just so that we're convinced, we just need to be convinced, we need to really get this, that, that, that there are studies that have been done that uh, children growing up without a father in the United States alone become, has become an epidemic. Here's some of the statistics that uh, show us that. Nearly 40% of all children live without their biological fathers. That's an epidemic, if you ask me. That's almost one in two. One in two of every person that you run into potentially did not grow up with their biological parent. How many have met a few of those? Can I just see a show of hands? How many of you, you, you talking? A lot of times, that's a lot of times it's not, it's not uncommon, is it? I mean, we're, we're used to it now. Oh, yeah, okay, no problem. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and it is a problem, though. It is a problem. It's going to make them deficient in their journey. This is, this is, this is incredible. Listen to these statistics, and you've probably heard them, but uh, you can, I think they're on the PowerPoint here. 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 63% of the youth suicides are from those that are from fatherless homes. 85% with behavioral disorders. We could stop there, couldn't we? And we could say, wow, we found the solution. Come on, think about the solution that we found for disorderly conduct because the father wasn't in the home. 75% of the children on drug abuse are from fatherless homes. That speaks for itself this morning, I really believe. And we begin to see that there's a problem there. So where does that take us? Where does that lead us as men of God, as, as, as fathers, Christian fathers? Where does that take us? Where should that take us? You know, and some of you say, well, I never experienced any of that. Yeah, you're right. Thank God for that, uh, that, that you were there. Uh, I experienced this side of the statistics that I just read to you, and it's no fun. And you just you, you miss out on so much. You just don't know so much about life just by being raised by a, a, a mother. 
And, and, and again, this is not a dog against mothers. We have to understand that. It's not at all. God put the two together to be, uh, to be able to nurture and raise children. That was his initial plan and purpose. But, but he, also, he also is lifting up the fathers about their roles. And he said, I need you to step up here. Don't be conformed to this world in the way that they see it, but let's step up to the plate. And again, I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures that are going to help us with that in just a moment. Uh, uh, what, so what is, a, what is a father or fatherhood? He's supposed to be a protector, a provider, a leader, a reflection of God, the father. I think that's maybe the most important one. He's a reflector of God the Father. He's a spiritual leader and a follower of Christ. <clears throat> Father's Day is a time to celebrate and to reflect on uh, <clears throat> our renewed dedication to be the type of father that God wants us to be. I know whenever I was, you know, first uh, uh, thinking about the kids coming and, and, and so forth, I can remember thinking, you just have no clue. And I later found out that I was right. <laughs> Patricia and I took people out to talk to them that had teenagers that were doing really well. And when I say really well, they were following Christ and they were loving God and loving their parents. And we would just ask them, what did you do? What's the most important thing that you did? And, and, and we just did everything we could to find this out because I was like, I have no idea here. I can tell you what not to do, but how many know that that never changes anything for the positive? It just doesn't. I'd like to think so. You know, man, my father was like that. I'll never be like that. That never works. It actually takes us deeper into the pit of doing what exactly we hated because it's not the solution. The solution is to step into a relationship with your heavenly father and let him begin to father you through those things. And, and it's just simple things. I remember one day I went to spank one of my kids for something they were doing, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, where do you think that, uh, I'll, I'll say he, because there's three you'd have to choose from here, uh, where do you think he learned that? And he all of a sudden showed me something that I was doing that is, was exactly what they were doing. They just did it a little differently, and it irritated me. You ever have somebody irritate you that did something that, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I can remember that. He helped walk me through this thing, uh, and, and, and I certainly think back, and I, man, I wish I could have done a lot of things differently now. The things that I know now, I wish I would have known back then, uh, uh, but, but I didn't. Uh, but I'm not going to stop learning. I'm not going to stop trying to grow, in, uh, grow into being a better father all the days of my life. How many know it's never too late? Everybody blows it, but it's never too late, especially if you start really depending on the Lord. He can help you. And, and so it's important for me to know as a father, and I want you to know as a father, you have this divine value and gifting and ability to give what you have and see it pass through generations, not just your own life. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29. Deuteronomy 5, 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them. At this point, they weren't. They didn't have the heart. The people didn't have a heart. They were following Moses, and they were telling Moses, you know, when God spoke out loud and the people freaked out and ran to Moses and said, don't ever let that happen again. 
Remember that? They sent him up the mountain. You talk to him and then come back and tell us and we will do whatever you say, which they weren't telling the truth. But this is the context of that. And then all of a sudden, God's saying, oh, that they, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So he says, we always just turn back to the Father and let our hearts fall back in love with the Father. And, and, and through that, his promises now begin to come to me. It's good for me, but that it also goes through. Ephesians says this, and, and this is why it's important in, in terms of how we respond to our own fathers and, and, and as a father. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and mother, which is what? The first commandment with a blessing. So, so one of the things I would just challenge and I've challenged myself with, how do I honor my father? Well, my father passed away when I was 18, so he's not around anymore. But guess what? I still carry a lot of thoughts. And I can have a lot of thoughts. But if I allow him to take those out so that I can honor him, then it's a good thing. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and mother. See, honor is important here. As the Lord, is, the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord God has given you. So he's, he's talking to us now as fathers to turn around and honor our fathers so that it will be well with us. So when we look at this, we need to realize that fathering or father is a position and a function. It's not a name or a title. It's a position to be honored. And this morning, I, 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 all morning, well, not just this morning, but as I've been thinking about this all week, I just felt the Lord continue to say, let them know how valuable they are as men and as fathers. Let them know how important they are as men and fathers and how much God wants to step in and intervene and come alongside of you and help you to raise up the most powerful children that you could ever imagine to make a difference in this world as we even saw in Deuteronomy. Um, and so it, it, as, we, as, we, as we look back into the end, the very last book, last chapter, last verse of the Old Testament, and then we look at the first verses in the New Testament, we're going to see something here that I, I wanted to just drop into your heart and let you receive it as a seed and let it grow inside of you uh, as we move forward as men in our day and this hour. It's important for us because I believe we are living in the end times. Whatever that means, it may not be in my end time, but it might be for my kids. Very well could be, actually. And so how are we raising them up and training them up and believing for them? Malachi 1.6 says, a son honors his father. Now keep in mind, with Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. God, isn't, uh, God is trying to communicate to them where they've gone astray. And this is one of his points. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where's my reverence? So God's calling us out with this whole term honor. There are studies that show now that a father... As a father is involved with his children from infancy to about seven years old, 
those kids have a higher IQ, better, they do better in school, and they have a better sense of humor. Must be those dad jokes, huh? <laughs> so fathers, you have so much to give that God has given to you to pass on. And again, John we know is one that uh, is called the one that was the closest to Jesus in a personal way. And just between the chapters 14 and 17, he uses the term uh, uh, father over 50 times, just in those three chapters. It says father, father, father. When Jesus comes onto the scene and he lives his life in the last three and a half years of his open ministry, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was something that was revealed through the scriptures about him, and that was even as I just referred to John, is Jesus always referred to the Father. And what would he always say? I only do what the Father says and what the Father does. That's what I do. And Jesus then himself always placed himself as the Son to the Father. He's trying to reel us a truth in here that we might understand this. Now, let me, let me, let me say this here. Uh, it, it's, it, today isn't about to remind us about our fatherly duties and all of that. I felt very strong, and that's why I was so wrestling with this for the last week, just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. God, what are you trying to say? What do you want to really communicate here? And I want to, I want to try to show you that in just a moment. And then I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to release the understanding to you. Fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God called them to be. And I would just say this about men, too. Our culture is trying to strip, strip away what? Gender, right? Have you ever heard that yet? Have you heard that now that you get on your driver's license, you can put, I have no gender? Have you heard that? Have you seen that? Have you seen that? You see the things that are coming toward us. What, are the, what is it trying to do? Strip away the role of the father. Strip away the role of the father. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5. It's the end of the last scriptures in the Old Testament. Behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Uh, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their father, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? That's pretty strong language. But I, what I want you to highlight and underline in that is that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and then the heart of the children. You jump into the New Testament, and, and the Gospels start out with this statement, Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now notice a slight difference. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. For what purpose? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is an end time thing. He's ready to prepare a generation. But he's going to do it by turning the hearts of the fathers back to 
not only their sons in this case, but also to all of those fatherless sons that are out there that need somebody to father them, that they're going to come running. And then the question is, is are we ready for that? Are we open for that? Do I believe that that's what God wants to do? And, and how do I start developing my relationship? Maybe almost like I did by saying, God, help me. I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to be tender hearted. We talked in Ephesians about that. I don't know how to be gentle and loving. I don't know how to be emotional. I don't know how to open my heart so that that part of me can flow out of me because out of my abundance of my heart, out of the abundance of my heart comes my relationship with God. Get that? Out of the abundance of my heart, I'm going to release my relationship with God. Whatever that relationship is going to come out, but it won't come out if I don't open my heart. I have to learn, how can I open my heart? How can I do this thing in this day and this hour? I can't be John Wayne, and please don't be Pee Wee Herman. But I got to do something here to make a change. This is what he's saying here. The word turn simply means to cause to return or to bring back. I think what he's saying by that is when he created us, he created us with tenderness. He, even men, he created us to have tenderness. Men, he created us to have tenderness. And our children, not only our spouse, but our children need this. They need to be able to see into your heart so they can see how much of God is in there. I just thought of two things that I think would be things to go away with. And let me just say this here. I jotted this down with my pencil on the way in this morning. The, the toughest guy and the greatest king of all times, David, had a heart after God. So it, just, it, it doesn't make you a wimp. It might make you even a greater warrior to have a tender heart. But here's two things I want to close with two things that we can do as fathers and as men. Number one, be sensitive to the turning of your heart from the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's speaking now to us. I believe he's coming like never before, and he's sending out his spirit. He wants to capture yours so that he can turn your heart. And my question is, is are you hearing him? Are you listening? Are we hearing him? Are you listening to that so he can do that? So he can open up that door of tenderness and relationship with him so that we can then begin to share that. And then my second point would just simply be this. Be ready for the turning of the hearts of the next generation to you. To you. I don't think that's going to be easy. I don't think that's going to be easy. Have you ever thought of somebody, maybe they are different than you from another generation? They've done something that's so different from you, you can't understand it, and so you kind of, something just gets up inside, ah, I can't believe they would do that. Okay? This is what he's saying. They're all going to turn to you. Are you ready have you let him turn your heart to them so nothing matters but their soul? 
Nothing matters. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they've done to themselves. It doesn't matter the falsity they've fallen into. They can run to a father and find safety because they found a good, good dad to take them in in this end time that we live in. It's necessary.